All right. Well, Pastor John, I, uh, I can assure you, I do not currently evangelism. I'll uh, let you know if anything changes, but uh, appreciate the opportunity. Always fun to uh, get to serve the Lord anytime, and especially with my family, and uh, so I enjoy getting to sing. I'm not sure if Addison, okay, she's not leaving. She's just running over there. Okay, apparently we're good, but uh, privileged to get to uh, to sing in church anytime and uh, with people here, and uh, glad for the opportunity to preach. Appreciate that, Pastor John, and uh, with some folks here. It's really been great to be able to be back in person. Appreciate those still joining us online as well, if that's the better option, the more comfortable option for you. And I'll admit, I've really enjoyed every conversation I've gotten to have with people here today at church, with one exception. Now, we'll let Darren Tomlin stay nameless. Of course, we wouldn't name him. That'd be rude. But uh, he is the one that implied that my orange tie looks like a Tennessee tie for the uh, the football team there. And that, that's just offensive to me as a Florida Gators fan. So, I mean, you know, a little bothered by that. But with that exception, it's just been great to uh, have some folks here. I've enjoyed getting to talk to Brother Darren today. That was just a little extra fun I get to have with that one, but uh, it's been great to be here. Tonight we're going to be looking at a message entitled, There's More Going On Than Meets the Eye. And I think that would be true anytime. I know it would, but definitely right now. And really whether all of the typical, maybe newsworthy items are the things that are on your heart and mind tonight, or whether it's something deeply personal, very private, the Word of God will have some great things, I think, to share with you from uh, Joshua chapter 5. As we look at, there's more going on than meets the eye. Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 13, it says, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua faced a huge battle, leading an entire nation into enemy territory, battling a walled monstrosity called Jericho, a city whose wickedness was so complete that only one person, Rahab, and her family would be able to be saved from the destruction that was coming. Joshua was fighting the right battle and was on the right side of the battle. But even Joshua needed to learn that there was more going on than meets the eye. More to remember than what's right in front of our faces or screaming at us from the TV or smartphone. Now, hopefully the TV and smartphone don't include me if you're watching online. Hopefully that's uh, not the issue there. But uh, at the same time, whether your battle is big or small, internal or external, familiar and ongoing or very new and unexpected, medical, political, national or personal, Joshua, this wonderful book of victorious Christian living, offers some wonderful insights and help. Let's pray, and we'll get into the message. Father God, thank you that you were in control then, and you're in control now. Thank you that you're doing more than we can even imagine, more than we can wrap our minds around, and that we can trust you, and we can rely on you. I pray that as we dig in to this message from Joshua, that the things that you were doing in his life and reminding him of, that you remind us of. Pray that you'll give us what we need to uh, be able to boldly go into the world in the week ahead and live the Christian life the way you want us to. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, first of all, to help us remember that there's more going on than meets the eye, we need to recognize the real battle. 
After being freed from Egypt, spying out the promised land, having to wonder for 40 years because of lack of faith that God could give them the land, even with the battles and obstacles and what it involved, after winning some battles on the other side of the Jordan River, the nation of Israel has finally crossed into the promised land, but now faces a very real opponent, Jericho, a very real battle against a very well-fortified city, ready for a long siege. But the real battle, the first battle, wasn't against Jericho, and it wasn't against what they could see. We read it a moment ago, but Joshua 5.13 says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? In the first part of verse 14, And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. You probably know the end of the story, that God will miraculously break down the walls of Jericho and give Israel an amazing victory. But have you ever wondered why God didn't just wipe out the enemy, win the battle and other battles without even involving Joshua and the people of Israel? Have you ever wondered why God doesn't do that for your battles? For the people of Israel, and I think often for us, it's because God has something even bigger to do in our hearts and lives through the battle. God uses the outward battles that we see to help us win the real battle. Joshua was by Jericho, quite possibly scouting out the city, probably trying to figure out some battle strategy, which had to be a difficult job. He probably didn't realize that the battle strategy started with worship, with surrender, with him. To Joshua at first, there's probably only one battle with two sides. He said in verse 13, art thou for us or for our adversaries? Today, it's just as easy to think that there's only the battle we can see, only the clear-cut sides that so often we're the ones that have defined. We could say for the mask or against it, Democrat or Republican, following or resisting government mandates that, mandates that maybe we disagree with, and the list could go on. And it wasn't that Joshua's cause didn't matter. It did, a lot. And God helped him miraculously win that battle. But there was more going on than what Joshua initially realized, a heart battle that needed to be won first. It's not that our causes don't matter. It's that they often aren't the real, ultimate, most important for each of us battle. Joshua needed to remember that his cause was right, not because Jericho was wrong, which it was, but not because Jericho was wrong, but it was because it was God's cause. Joshua needed to take a moment, not that I see anything in the text that indicates that Joshua was doing wrong, but he needed this reminder before he was able to face the outward battle. The real battle so often isn't us versus an opponent, an enemy, or a circumstance. It's often more internal than external, often more spiritual than anything else. So often, really always, a part of God's bigger plan, a battle and a war that God has already won and will ultimately be the ultimate and eternal victor. And really, our battles are probably impossible for us to figure out completely. So we need to trust the one who knows everything. We need to, as the saying goes, not miss the forest for the trees. Now, I'll admit right off the bat that I am the type of person that will get so caught up in the details, if I'm not careful, that I'll miss the big picture easily. I will miss the forest because of the trees. We often see things in terms of wins or losses for our causes, when in fact God has so much more he wants to teach us during those outward battles. We may not be able to see all of the big picture of what God is doing, all of the forest, but that should make us trust him more, not less. 
That should make us cling more to his power, his control, his working. His ultimate cause of winning the lost and seeing each of us as Christians grow more like him should be right at the top of our list. My sad ability to miss the forest for the trees uh, is, was vividly, excuse me, was vividly illustrated to me recently. Brother Jeremy Ramsey, who's actually working our sound tonight, volunteering yet again, but uh, he came oh, a month or so ago and very graciously fixed the light that's on the, uh, the peak at the front of the church. Uh, he fixed the light and he fixed the uh, dusk to dawn sensor, so it'll be off during the day and on at night when it's supposed to be. But when he left that afternoon, he and I were pretty sure that the light that went out during the day, like it was supposed to, would turn on that night. So I made the big sacrifice of coming all the way from home over to here to take a picture of it. I didn't even start the car. Y'all should be proud of me. I think it was chilly that night, too. So anyway, I wanted to take a picture, and I will be honest. I took a picture of the light on, and that was absolutely the only thing I noticed in that light, in that picture. I sent Brother Jeremy a picture just for the sheer fact that the light was on. And then he sent it to Pastor John, and Pastor John put, go ahead and put the picture up. Pastor John put this, I believe, on his Instagram. I don't, hope you don't mind my borrowing it there, Pastor John. wasn't until Pastor John posted the fact that that is a cross with a light shining out of it that I realized there was more going on in that picture then the fact that the light actually worked, the fact that our little battle, in quotes, was won, that we got through what we were looking at, and I absolutely missed the forest for the trees. I was so caught up in the details, and Pastor John used that as a great illustration of being a beacon, and uh, be a beacon that beckons others to begin a relationship with the Savior, and I believe back around Christmas, you're preaching on the star and everything. It was perfect. It seriously wasn't until I saw Pastor John's post with that comment, that caption, that I even realized it. It was pretty funny. As I look at inward, unseen struggles, I realize that we don't always see the bigger picture. But if we'll take time to notice God who's in control, take time to notice the real battle, that maybe our circumstances ease up, maybe they get worse. Maybe we win that battle, maybe we lose it. God is in control, and we can enjoy the fact that we can grow through each thing. As I look at these issues, it reminds me of our adoption process. Now, most of you would know we've had the wonderful privilege of adopting our two wonderful daughters, and I couldn't love them anymore if I tried. But we face battles, as anyone that's gone through an adoption process can relate to. We face battles with finances, discouragement, and even at times despair, understanding God's timing, or just not fighting against God's timing, knowing what to do next, even the distinct possibility of having to start the adoption process all over at one point in a new state, simply because we were following God's leading, God's will into full-time youth ministry, which led us from South Carolina to Texas. Those were the battles we could see. The ones that were right, that we were right by, like Joshua was right by Jericho. But there was a lot more going on than met the eye. A lot more that God was doing behind the scenes. A lot more God was teaching us a lot more God was giving us than a child, even though Brooklyn and Addison are pretty amazing. Facebook memories have really, over the last few months, uh, captured this with our girls being born in January and February. It reminded us of a lot of the steps in our adoption process, and it's just been a wonderful treat to be able to go back through that. So let me take you on just a quick couple-minute journey of what God did there and the fact that this is what was going on outwardly, and often it was difficult, but God was teaching us to trust him and to depend on him and to grow in our relationship with him so much, teaching us that he had the battles under control, just like God had Jericho. 
Joshua needed to realize that first. But it was in November of 2013 that uh, I believe Jen posted, thankful to finally Facebook announce the start of our adoption process on National Adoption Day. And that was a, a treat to be able to announce that. It was the following January, just a couple months later, that uh, it was tomorrow is our first meeting with the adoption agency. And that was in South Carolina. But after that, we went through the process and God was good. We were approved on the waiting list, a phone call away where it could be now, come to the hospital now, your child is here now. Uh, or it could be, hey, four or five months from now, we didn't know. But the phone didn't ring for a while. Really didn't ring for about nine months. And we had our nursery with a bunch of gray walls and bright colors, so we'd be ready to welcome a little boy or a little girl. We had no idea. And it was even in, during that time that our dog died. So we would teach during the day, and we came home to an empty nursery and an empty dog crate, which if you like pets, you can relate to that being a struggle. Some of you are like, who cares about a dog? I understand. But at the same time, there were some low times. It was January 12, 2015, that we came home from a day of teaching, which teachers can understand the mindset. We were tired. I think it was a Thursday. So Friday gave us a little hope, but we were tired. I'm sure no matter where you work, if you work a five-day week, Thursdays, you're tired. But uh, anyway, you've got the, the hope of the weekend. But there, I think uh, right on top of our stack of mail, was yet another reminder about a bill that we should not have owed for our adoption process. There were a lot of bills we expected. Of course, it's an expensive process, and we knew God was in it, but we went to get physicals. I appreciate that physicals are a part of an adoption process. Good if you're going to adopt a child, that it's, you're healthy enough to do so. But uh, routine physicals, we hadn't had one that year. Working with our insurance, a friend of ours worked at the doctor's office and tried to bill it just right so we wouldn't be charged. It backfired. We were charged about $2,500, $3,000 that we shouldn't have owed. We were working on the process, thought we had it resolved. Boom, this Thursday, empty crib, I believe empty dog crate at the time, and another reminder about the bill. But we flipped two or three letters down in the same stack of mail, and there was a letter from an organization called Show Hope that gives adoption grants. And sure enough, we opened that, and there was a picture. I saw it just uh, on January 12th this past year from 2015. And there's us holding the letter that says we got a grant from Show Hope that was worth about twice as much as that doctor bill. That doctor bill, by the way, was eventually written off by the doctor's office. If you've ever dealt with getting a bill resolved, you know how much God was working in that. And it was a wonderful thing. But the ups and downs, February 28th, not too much longer after that, it was Addison's birthday. March 1st, just a, the next day, was the day we got the call that we would, that we'd been chosen by the birth mother. The next day was gotcha day for Addison, and we got to go pick her up from the hospital and bring her home. And then it was that following August, we moved to Texas, general plans to adopt again. And in October, I believe it was, of that same year, a friend, new friend from Texas at the church there asked us, hey, do you plan to adopt again? We answered yes. We got asked that all the time. And immediately upon answering yes, she got very excited because this just wasn't a random curiosity. She knew of a young lady looking to make an adoption plan. And uh, it was then in November, the first of several trips to Arkansas and uh, to get to uh, arrange that process to adopt Brooklyn, who wasn't born yet. But uh, it's funny, on January 11, 2016, we posted this, on our way to Arkansas for the birth of our baby girl. Can't wait to meet her. 
But we really hope to be there when she comes. Five and a half hour drive, we didn't think we'd make it in time. Yeah, Brooklyn was born 12 days later. So we uh, spent about three weeks all told in an extended stay America. I have nothing against that hotel chain, but if I never stay there again, it'll be too soon. Um, just because three weeks anywhere, that was, that was interesting. And then Brooklyn was born, and now we're ready to celebrate this month and next month, their fifth and sixth birthdays. I say all that to say this. God could have prevented every bump along the road, every battle. And I realize compared to some who have adopted and compared to some battles, those are small. I realize that. But God could have prevented every struggle. But that would have also eliminated so many growth opportunities, so many chances to fight the real battles of our trust in God, our dependence upon him, and the stretching of our faith. It's a shame to miss the forest for the trees to miss growth opportunities when we just want circumstances to improve. As we face so many different battles that this life throws at us, it'll help us so much to constantly recognize the real battle, to recognize what God wants to do inwardly in each of us through the battles that are raging outwardly around us. But next, to help us remember that there's more going on than meets the eye, we need to also recognize who's in charge Joshua 5.14 says, and he said, nay, but as captain of the Lord, of the host of the Lord, am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? It was clear at this point to Joshua that there was more going on than are you for me or against me? Or are you on this side or that side? It's no, I need to be on your side. Seems clear from this passage that this captain of the host of the Lord was in fact Jesus, one of the several Old Testament appearances of our Savior. Charles Ryrie says, Joshua worshiped the captain of the host of the Lord as Yahweh, acknowledging that this was his war and that the Israelites were but a part of the Lord's hosts, standing in the presence of God. Imagine how ridiculous it would have been for Joshua to have said something like this. But you should be on my side. I'm doing something good. I'm fighting the enemy. They're wrong and I'm right. I need help, not guidance. I need the ability to do more, not to pause to worship or adjust. But how often are our attitudes something like that? God, you just have to make my circumstances easier. And I think he's saying, well, maybe I'll do that. But first, I want to change your heart. I want to impact you right there. As one commentator says, Joshua was reminded that he was second in command. Every father and mother, pastor and Christian leader is second in command to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we forget this fact, we start to move toward defeat and failure. The Lord came to Joshua that day, not just to help, but to lead. In a silly sense, I recently was scrolling through Facebook and uh, saw someone, I don't even remember who it was and it doesn't matter, but they commented on someone's post that they were surprised about. They commented, holy cow, but they misspelled it, which uh, I'm sure I have had autocorrect do far worse to my posts, uh, no judgment there at all, but they spelled it W-H-O-L-L-Y as in totally, fully, completely cow. I don't think that was the sentiment they were going for, but it kind of reminded me we should just be holy gods before any battle no matter what is happening out there let's in here recognize he's in charge we are wholly his if he wants to take us through battle after battle if he wants to end the battles or allow them to keep going we should be wholly his fully completely totally his god was in charge of the battle against jericho and he's in charge of our battles as well because he's in charge of all of our outward struggles and battles and circumstances, we should be willing to allow him to lead us in our inward struggles and inward growth as well. God was in charge of the pressure. 
Here's Joshua. He needed help for his first battle on the other side of the Jordan and against quite a walled city. People were looking to him for leadership. If you just put yourself anywhere near Joshua's shoes, you realize the pressure that he's under. And we can understand that and we can relate to it. But God was in charge. We understand he felt a lot of pressure. But there was more going on than met his eye. There was God, fully in control and wanting to help Joshua prepare inwardly before he fought outwardly. How often are we tempted to cave to the pressure when a great victory is within reach? Often a victory in the real outward, in the real inward battle and the battle that's right in front of us. And God's the one who's in control of all of it. We don't have to give in to the pressure. Now, I'm no bowler, but I recently read this illustration about pressure. I'll be honest, when it comes to bowling, I feel absolutely no pressure. It's really, I'm not counting my score. I'm counting how many gutter balls I'm going to get, and it's usually a lot. Uh, I'm terrible. But uh, apparently the odds against rolling a perfect 300, which I believe are 12 strikes, Maybe in my entire life I've rolled that many. So again, I'm not up on bowling because I'm not good at it. But uh, odds against rolling a perfect game are about 225,000 to one. Pressure was so great that one bowler couldn't bring himself to play the final ball of an otherwise perfect game. So I believe he's sitting on 11 strikes, one more, and he's got it. Pressure got to him. He packed up, packed his shoes and ball, walked out, never stepped foot in a bowling alley again because he simply couldn't bring himself to the point of, am I going to win or am I going to lose? Yeah, I don't feel pressure bowling because it's not, yeah, there's no need. I'm not going to be rolling a 300 at all. But so often the pressure will get to us. We don't take time to remember God's the one in charge. We can keep going. Our God will never allow the outward pressure of living for him to overwhelm us if we inwardly rely on him. And that's often a day-by-day and moment-by-moment thing. For Joshua and for us, God's in charge of the pressure. God was also in charge of the plan. Skipping ahead to Joshua chapter 6, again, you're probably familiar with the story, but verse 1 says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. I'm sure at this point, Joshua's like, woohoo, you've given them to us? You've already given us some victories. Now this one too, that's great. I bet the plan confused Joshua a little bit. And you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Then shall, uh, thus shall ye do six days, and seven priests shall bear the ark, seven, uh, before the ark seven trumpets uh, of, the, of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall flat down, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Now, we know the story. You may have even seen the VeggieTales version with the slushies and the French peas. I always like the French peas on VeggieTales, I'll be honest. But, uh, and you've probably read this since you were young, maybe even, or just, you know the story. But don't miss it. This was the plan, and it really was an inward test of Joshua's trust. I'm sure there was a part of Joshua that's like, when are we shooting arrows into the city? before the walls come down? When are, when are we grabbing battering rams and knocking something over? When's this going on? Now, I don't read anywhere that Joshua said any of that because his faith was in God. He was winning that inward battle. But the plan made no human sense. Maybe your circumstances don't either. Maybe your circumstances, maybe God's plan for your life right now, you can't wrap your head around it. 
I'm so glad God's smarter than we are. His plan is perfect to be willing to follow it and remember that he's in charge of the plan. If Joshua had not first worshipped God, he may never have been inwardly ready to follow the outward battle plan. But God was not only in charge of the pressure and the plan, God was in charge of the provision, meeting the needs every step of the way. Obviously, God did knock those walls down, give them a great victory. But humanly speaking, the plan didn't make sense. I can't knock a Lego tower down by walking around it and then yelling at it. But part of recognizing who's in charge of our battles, part of recognizing the real battle, is remembering that God is in control of the provision. It's his plan. If it's his plan, he'll provide and he wants to do some amazing stuff in our hearts along the way. This was illustrated in a, in a funny way, uh, just even the other night. For years, I've had an iPhone. Sorry if you're an Android fan. I am iPhone all the way. I enjoy iPhones. Uh, it's just, you're not going to change my mind. You can try. I doubt that it'll happen. I've enjoyed the little flashlight on my iPhones. I think I'm on my third iPhone that I've ever had. And I've enjoyed that for years. But it wasn't until about a year ago that I realized if you hold down the flashlight button and even maybe push it a little to the side, you've got all these different brightness settings. So you can set it just right, and I know you all already knew this, so don't laugh at me too much, but uh, you can set it just right for the right setting for that situation. I was missing out on the provision that that iPhone had. Not a huge deal, but God's provision is just there, is there all along the way. Let's not ignore it or simply be too busy to notice it or to depend on it. Let's not be too focused on outward battles to rest on the fact that God is meeting every one of our needs and we can rest in his just right, adjusted for the situation, perfect provision. Life's battles get put into better focus as we daily recognize who's in charge. And lastly, as we remember that there's more going on than meets the eye, we need to get right before we run off into a battle. Joshua 5.15, And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. This one's really difficult if you're anything like me. So often we want to get riled up, fired up, ready for action, ready to do what we think is best, what we think the plan should be, before we ever fight the real battle, the inward one. Before we ever make sure what we're mad at is what we should be, before we ever look at, okay, maybe that is wrong and we're right, but are we responding right? Often the seen battle distracts us from the unseen one that needs to be fought and won first. One commentator has said that Joshua's process mirrors the process described in Ephesians, that of humble worship, a holy walk, and then heavenly warfare. So I want to spend just the last few moments of the message looking at those three look. Uh, issues from Joshua and from Ephesians. So first of all, being right with God involves humble worship. Verse 15 said, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Probably seemed to Joshua like quite a unique way to get ready for a big battle, but it was the perfect way. We need to take time with God to just humbly worship him, that he's in control, that he sees the end from the beginning, that he's got it before we're ready to run off into a battle. Ephesians 3.14 says, For this cause, which in context is how the Gentiles had been impacted and changed by their union with Christ, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, with everything he had going on, all the battles he had fought, seen by God's grace how he had won them, all that he had going on in the future, knew that he needed to take time to worship God. Worship can be very clarifying. 
It's amazing what becomes more or less important as we worship God through prayer and Bible reading and just allowing him to impact our hearts. Often problems and battles don't just disappear, but inward unseen battles are fought and won by God's grace. And then outward battles are put into proper perspectives. We just take time with God each day. Worship so often helps adjust the way we look at things in our lives. Sometimes we'll be begging God for a specific result, and then it'll change to whether that result comes or not. It'll change to just being grateful to be able to spend time with God. From God, I need this, to God, I need you. And that doesn't mean the battles don't matter, but at the same time, it'll put them into proper perspective. Being right with God involves humble worship. Being right with God involves a holy walk. We see Joshua worship God and then follow the plan and even deal with Achan's sin after the battle. If you haven't read about Achan's sin and the rest of the battle, feel free to read the next couple chapters in Joshua later. But Ephesians 5.15 says it this way. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I really think part of our morning devotions or evening devotions, whenever you spend time with the Lord, but part of every day needs to be, God, search me and know me. Let me know what's in my life that needs to change. Some people really hit the altar at church and come here and do that, and that's wonderful. But let's make that be a daily thing where we allow God to say, how's my walk? And we adjust those things. Joshua needed to have humble worship and also make sure his life was right before he went back to the rest of the troops and explained the plan that only made sense through eyes of faith. Remembering that God is ultimately in charge shifts our focus away from others and onto ourselves and making sure we're right with God first. Desires for revenge or retaliation that are so common when we're facing battles become desires for God's glory, regardless of the outcome of the battles. The somewhat well-known story that maybe you've heard before is told of a woman who was bitten by a mad dog. It looked as if she was going to die of rabies, so the doctor told her she should make out her will. Taking her pen and paper, she began to write. In fact, she wrote and wrote. Finally, the doctor said, this is surely a long will you're making. She snorted, will nothing. I'm making a list of all the people I'm going to bite. I think I even saw a couple of you chuckling before the end there. You might have heard that as well. Yeah, um, some of us, we just can't wait for the chance to win a battle by being the victor, defeating that person. Maybe right now you just can't wait to see someone lose. Don't pull out a pen and paper or your phone and make a list and then go find a, a rabid dog. Please don't. But uh, maybe we can't wait for some enemy that we see or just some person we don't get along with to get what's coming to them. Maybe most days you just hope to be the one that gets to win the battle against them, to be the swift hand of what you view as justice. It's amazing to me if I don't take time to worship and make sure I have a humble walk, humble worship and a holy walk. So often my view of justice and what needs to happen is so different from God's. But maybe sometimes we're just like, yeah, I can't wait to get them. But a holy walk called Joshua to simply follow God's leading around this wicked city for days. A holy walk will focus us on our inward need to be right with God. And it'll often diminish our outward frustrations. It's not that battles will necessarily be resolved immediately. God does do that in answer to prayer, of course. But so often it's that, that humble worship and that holy walk, making sure we're focused on just living the right way for God no matter the circumstances. It'll shift our perspective. And what seemed huge will often seem so much smaller compared to eternity and compared to God. 
And being right with God involves heavenly warfare. The time did come for Joshua to fight the outward battle with Jericho, but the inward battle had already been won by then. We will often have outward battles that need to be actively dealt with, but we need to make sure we're right inwardly, right with our Savior first. I mean, as the saying, as the song goes, Joshua did fight the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Joshua won, though, the moment he worshiped God and decided to follow God's plan. The rest of it was already decided. Ephesians 6.10 puts it this way for us about heavenly warfare. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to, uh, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. But if you're anything like me, how often do we run ahead in sinful haste and then wonder why God isn't helping us more? How often do we want God to fight our battles according to nothing more than our earthly plan, the best we can come up with? I type reasonably fast, nothing to brag about, but I'm, I'm a reasonably ty fast typist. I took a couple classes in high school and college, and I, I can type decently fast. I've admitted to a couple of you before that the key I hit the most is the backspace key. Accuracy is not my strong suit when I type, I'll be honest. If you ever hear me typing up there or anywhere, and you think, wow, he's really typing. No, uh, most of it, about every fourth key is the backspace key. Probably would help if I slowed down. We may not even be good typists, may have to use the backspace key, but how often do we, despite that, want a giant backspace key for our words and actions, and yet still think we're ready to dictate what needs to happen in our battles that go beyond what we can even understand? We need to get right before we run off into a battle. We need to check first that we're right with God inwardly, worshiping him, living the way he wants us to. God was for Joshua. It's really not that Joshua was going the wrong way. Joshua was obeying. But God helped Joshua in amazing ways to see that he wanted Joshua to learn first to trust that he's in charge and that his plan is what needs to move forward. Jericho was wicked. Joshua could have thought that his cause was the only cause. But Joshua needed to remember that there was more at stake, that God had a bigger plan. Joshua needed to fight the right battle in the right way. He needed to realize that there was more going on then met the eye, and so do we. While we pray for God to work in the battles of our lives, let's also pray to God, for God to work in our lives through those battles. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are in control of every battle we face. And for those here, those watching, whether those battles are, are things that we all are facing right now or things that are deeply personal, maybe private, that nobody else knows about, we thank you that you know about them and you care. And we pray for you to help in each of those things in your perfect time. But even before that, even during that, that you'll do the work in each of our lives that you want to. You don't waste anything. And when you take us through a battle outwardly, I pray that we'll allow you to work in our lives inwardly. That instead of running off in this direction or that direction and thinking that the outward battles are most important for us, that we'll realize that our relationship with you is most important and we'll make sure that's right first before we ever even worry about fighting an outward battle. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that as uh, my family got to sing a bit ago, that your mercy is more because we struggle with this so often. Thank you for your help and your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen.